0: All right, it's Todd coming to you from the Sports and Spiritual Library here in my apartment in Verona, Wisconsin. And I'm going to be talking about this. There's an interesting reading I came across today and and how uh, point-blank it is about spirituality and and how spirituality is is at a corner in every market, but especially in the NFL quarterbacks. Now, and then we're going to be talking about them now and earlier times so the work's called quarterbacks have all the fun it's by dick shop it's a good and hard times of bart johnny joe francis and other great quarterbacks including john brody who the uh who's a special column i'm going to read from it's written and edited by dick shop dick shop is the one who wrote uh, instant replay with lombardi or, uh, the Lombardi Packers, but it's done by it's written by Jerry Kramer. It's a diary, re- and it takes you through the nineteen sixty eight or the sixty seven season of the sixty eight Super Bowl. And uh, man, I tell you, this book is really good. But uh, it just tells a lot in here about about the quarterback position, you know, and, and it's it's great because. We see it in today's game too. That's what they say too is like teams pull together to accomplish one goal. You know, it's amazing because if you see a if you see a rally come through like that, like today the Badgers were down by the Badgers were down 21 to 21 to 7 going into the uh, fourth quarter and they came together as one. And they ended up they ended up pulling on a twenty five to twenty one look against I guess a somewhat tough Illinois team, but the toughest thing they're battling was themselves and being behind by seventeen points. So that's what I uh that's what I really lo- I really liked that game today. It was fun to watch. It's maddening in the first part. Alright, I experienced John Brody is chapter eight. I'm sorry, I wanna see what when this book is real and But yeah, this this guy Dick Shop is on he was on ESPN a lot and a lot earlier and he's just he was amazing. He's he's an amazing author, but he's done all these compilations and of uh, the uh of the amazing authors and amazing men who write for the newspapers also. But they, there's also some stuff in here from books he's pulled out. And it was by copyright 1974 by Dick shop. No part of this book may be reproduced. Stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any form by an electronic, mechanical, photocopying, recording means, or otherwise, without priority written permission of the publisher. All right, we're not going to be reproducing this book. Well, I'm going to use it and I'm going to read from it and I'm going to, to uh, talk about it and I'm going to read from word for word. It is probably only a geographic coincidence, but John Brody is a Stanford man and is the first quarterback in the collection who did not go to a school south of the Mason-Dixon line and east of the Mississippi. The southeast dominates this book of the 17 quarterbacks covered. Nine went to college in the southeast. Uniteds Jurgensen, Tarkenton, Connolly, Tittle, Starr, Blanda, Namath, and Gilliam. Second largest contingent comes from California colleges. Morton, Kilmer, Cap, and the top man in the quarter. And the top man in the quartet, Brody. All they must have loved it. all those gentlemen from the swarmer climbs where they took a snap from center in Green Bay, Wisconsin, with a temperature hovering around 10 degrees. When Brody retired after the 1973 season, after 17 years, with the San Francisco 49ers, he had thrown more passes and completed more passes than anyone in the world, except John Unitas. Yet during his first 13 years in the National Football League, Brody played for a San Francisco team, that never won more than eight games in a season and throughout his career, despite two chances in his last four seasons. Brody never played for Tino in the conference championship. If Brody was frustrated at times, he must have been. He took up most of his frustration on golf balls. He is the only man to play a quarterback in the NFL and play golf on the pro tour. In the game in the same time. He is also the man old he is also the only man ever to play quarterback in the NFL and write for intellectual digest. Brody nineteen seventy three contributions to intellectual digest was a dialogue between the quarterback and Michael Murphy, a president and co founder of Epsilon Institute in California, a center that pioneered radical psychological and socio- sociological therapies. Judged by the by the words and by his thoughts, Brody was certainly one of the one of the thinking quarterbacks. Murphy. Okay, it's the first part of the dialogue. And, uh, like I said, this is really good. All right, now it's even better when I pass it because I can get rid, rid of that dry mouth. All right. Works miracles. Murphy, there were are hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of words written about football. There is a huge amount of talent assembled to describe the game on TV and radio and in sport magazines and newspapers. Supposedly, the best sports writers are analyzing what the game means. Recently, there has been an abrasive and realistic approach like Tower Cosell's or in books like Jim Bowen's Ball Four. But it seems to me, from my seat on the five-yard line, that there's a lot of games but there's a lot of game that has not been described by all these talented sports writers and analysts. All these all these people are missing something. Brody, many fans feel the way you do. A great many football players do. I certainly do. There is a side to the game that really hasn't been described yet. That hidden side of the sport you talk about in your book. Things having to do with the psychological side of the game, with what we call energy flows, and the extraordinary states of mind performing athletes sometimes get into. I've been reluctant to talk to sports writers about these things because I'm afraid they would reduce them to categories they were more familiar with. <laughs> Sports writers not being familiar with the uh, energy flows that's called that <laughs> energy flows is God too. It's just the way it is. What are these people what are these writers and analysts looking for at when they describe football? Brody. People tend to look at life in a sport through their own experience and mental categories. When a person looks as a As a game of football, he tends to see a reflection of his own life. If it's mainly violence and getting ahead of our winning at all costs, he'll tend to see that in the game. Or if life is mainly statistics and numbers and measurements, he'll tend to see that. Many people have an incredible interest in football statistics. People look at the game and project their own reality onto it. You know what's funny about this? Is I'm gonna make some commentary too. What's funny like this is that you know the most back then where we led we read from magazines and uh newspapers, but we did not get statistics very much. Statistics were on the on the back of uh of uh, bubblegum cards. Tops tops and uh Bowman, pretty much, but anyways, Thompson Bowman, Thompson Bowman back then was uh, single, but the thing I'm trying to say is, if you could see on the back of a card that didn't have a bubble gum smear, <laughs> yeah, it was fun, even the gum was good back then, hey, but yeah, that's how I've learned to, uh, that's how I learned to follow football, Murphy, you could say that too I'm sorry that's why I learned to follow football statistics. You could say that the two images that dominate our understanding of football now are the now are the beast and the computer. But many of the players most of the ones I know resent those images. They know there is more in the game than that. And I think there are many fans who are past those, who see past those images, and get glimpse of something more. Bam! I love that. I love that. Murphy, can you give Mur- Murphy, can you give me some examples of the aspects that usually go unrecorded, some enemies of the game? The game's psychological side, or what you call energy flows. Often, in the heat and excitement of a game, a player's perception and coordination will improve dramatically. At times, and with narrowing frequency now, I experience the kind of clarity that I've seen and I've never seen adequately. Described in a football story. Sometimes, for example, time seems to slow way down in an uncanny way. As if everyone were moving in slow motion. It seems as if I have all the time in the world to watch the receivers run their patterns. And yet I know the defensive line is coming at me just as fast as ever. I know perfectly well how hard And fast those guys are coming, and yet the whole thing seems like a movie, or a dance in slow motion. It's beautiful. As time went on, there was more and more books developed on the uh, psychological side of football, and and it was illustrated to the fact, too, is that how successful it has been. And, you know, obviously, too, it uh, it protects players. So what we have is a uh, beautiful thing. And we can always go back on it and read books like this that started off. So Murphy, what happens to your performance in moments like that? Do you actually see what's happening more clearly? Yes, of course. Some of the players on the other team, maybe in a similar similar state. Then the game moves up a level. Whew. Murphy, are those kind of are those things contagious? Sometimes it looks as if a whole team catches fire. Starts doing things it could couldn't do ordinarily. In the Washington Redskins game last year, something seemed to happen to the 49ers in the third quarter after you threw the touchdown pass to Gene Washington. I don't know how to say this. Word. That fact points to the also points to the uh, 1967 NFL title game. Packers behind 17 to 14 to the Dallas Cowboys. And we have all seen that. I believe it was a 68-yard drive in brutally cold conditions. As we know, negative. I think it was like negative 16 as the game went on. Incredible, slippery conditions. They couldn't stand up hardly, but they marched right down the field. It was amazing with passing and runs, and you know it was just like they over. They oh, Bart, Bart Starr doesn't let them on that march. And they overtook the Cowboys. And when they got down to the goal line, they tried to go in for a running play. But Bart couldn't even stand up to get the ball to Chuck Marcin. So he had to eat it. Or Marcin got stopped, I can't remember. But in the next play, they ran that quarterback sneak and nobody knew they were going to run it, including the offensive players. Because Bart had called a totally different play. And those guys... And Bowman and Kramer wedged out enough just enough of a hole for a star to sneak in for the touchdown, and there was no instant replay back then. So you know what? It was touchdown, and the Packers won twenty-one to fourteen. One of the greatest football games ever. And, you know, it's still it's funny because still is an in infamy. It still is in infamy. It's great. It's great. Great, great stuff. All right, well, where is. The, all right, well, okay, here we go. <laughs> Off spot. Oh boy. Well, the play. So Brody, we had to make something happen then. That's why I went with that play. With third down and one yard to go on your own 12, 22 yard line in a close game. And playoff game, which leaves you with no second chance. You wouldn't usually go with a particular call I made after I came to the line of scrimmage and started my own my snap count. I saw the defense shift into a position that might not happen in the same in the game again. I gave the team a basic pass audible and gave Gene a little signal we had worked out. Paid it back and threw him that pass. When I threw it, I knew it was going to connect. When the play began. It looked for a moment like the safety would make an interception, but then I seemed, then it seemed as if the ball went through or over his hands. He came in front of Washington. Pat Fisher, the cornerback told reporters after the game, the ball seemed to jump right over his hands as he went for it. When we studied the game film that week, it did look as if the ball kind of jumped over his hands into jeans. Some of the guys said it was the wind. <laughs> yeah, okay. All right, and maybe it was because God was behind the wind and uh, what a wonderful thing that is. So, Pat Fisher university of nebraska five foot eight tougher than nails cornerback i believe it's five foot eight anyways what happened was he was the uh n f l interception leader for quite a few years so i've enjoyed i've enjoyed there's there's a game out there i enjoy very much and uh i believe it's the fifty. and the uh, I believe it was the 57 game against Oklahoma. Now my facts might be might be misconstrued. But I remember Fisher was a key part in that Nebraska game as they beat Oklahoma to stop their streak. And the uh stopped stopped the juggernaut of Oklahoma Dynasty. So Pat Fisher, the quarterback, told the reporter after the game that the ball seemed to go right through his hands. I'm reading this over again, obviously. As he went for it, when we studied the game field in that week, it didn't look as if the ball kind of jumped over his hands into games, into jeans. Some of those guys said it was the win, and maybe it was. That's funny because a year later, in 1975, against the uh, Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys, Got their uh, got their blessing from the Lord as they had a hail Mary pass to Drew Pearson, and he caught it on his hip and went into the to the touchdown to beat the uh, to beat the Vikings and I believe the game was 17 to 14 final, but yeah that's uh that's a beautiful that's a beautiful play and that's a beautiful game and it was a fun there's some fun books out there in that to read. So, so Murphy, what do you what do you mean by by maybe? What I mean is that our sense of the past was so clear, and our intentions so strong that the ball was be that the ball was bound to be to get there. Come win, cornerbacks hell or high water. There we go. Obviously Brody is trying to tap around the god thing. And uh in Gulf in, in the Gulf in the Kingdom I discuss the energy streamers that a golf ball rides on its way towards the towards the hole. I mean those lines of those lines of force that seem to emanate from the gulper when he can visualize and execute his shot in moments of high clarity. Is that kind of thing you are, ta- are talking about? I know there are golfers who have had, who have had the experience. Because I have, I have to say that Such things seem to exist or emerge when your state of mind is right. It has happened to me dozens of times. This is Brody, by the way. An intention carries a force, a thought. is connected with an energy that can stretch itself out in a pass play or a golf shot or a base hit or during a 30-foot jump shot. In basketball, I've seen it happen too many times to deny it. Also, they call it Mr. Clutch. Uh, Jerry West hitting that jump shot. They even have in the NBA. They have a, uh, the image is made. I can't remember how to say it, but the image is Jerry West, and uh, it's good stuff. Mr. Clutch. All right. Is this something you can practice or develop? Can you learn to develop clarity during a game? Can you strengthen your intentions? This is Murphy talking he goes, and Brody answers, Yes, pressures that used to get me down don't affect me to the same extent now. I've learned to you, I've learned to shed certain destructive attitudes when a game is underway. A player's effectiveness is directly related to his ability to be right there, doing that thing in the moment. All the preparation he must have put into the game, all the game plans, analysis of movies, Etc. It's no good if he can put it into action when the game time comes. He can't be worrying about the past or the future or the crowd or some other extr- extraneous event. He must be able to respond in that here and now. This is an ability we all have potentially. I believe this is that it is our natural state. But because most of us lose it as we grow up, we have to regain it. This sounds very much like Zen or under spiritual disciplines. It seems to it seems to me that in many ways sport is like a western yoga. I have heard mount I have heard mountain climbers, surfers and skydivers, skiers who talk a language that is almost mysterious mystical. And now I hear you talking about talking the same way. I call this language of the heart, and that's what it's about. It's about what's in your heart that you can go in there and get that, get that extra, and, and dig it out. Called God's spiritual, have those spiritual experiences, you know. And that's what we can learn from. And when we watch sports, is those taste see that, uh, see that. Talent or that player take take it to the next level that he should not even be near. Another example, I'm not going to say the words either because it's pretty nasty. Bucky Dent hit one over the uh, over the big monster in 1979, in 1978 playoffs, 1982. Nettie Yost hit one, over the ball, hit one over the wall to propel the Brewers to Baltimore with enough of a lead to win, the, to win the Eastern Division title. Oh, what a game. So Murphy, this sounds very much like Zen or other spiritual disciplines. It seems to see that in many ways sport is like a Western yoga. I have heard mountain climbers, surfers, skydivers, skiers, who talk about a language that is almost mystical. And now I hear you talking the same way. This is the language of the heart, which we have come across in the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. This is what this is how we get sober. With that same mystical, mystical spiritual this spirituality. Yeah, no doubt. We all have it. We all can count on it in any way. I can't can't go up to the uh, and sink a jump shot for the Lakers to win it. Except that's not going to happen. But I can come out and beat the... But I can come out and find sobriety. I can find sobriety and uh, I can have a good time in sobriety and have have a safe but fun, spiritual but fun life. All right, Brody. Call it mystical if you like. For me, it is simply one of the element facts of experience. Here and now. Awareness, clarity, strong intention, a person's tone level. Tone level, he believes I believe is how he talks about people in their direct dialogue. You know, not not beating around the bushes or what they say and talking straight up. These are things a lot of people who don't know anything about yoga or mysticism talk about. The trouble is people can't make them operative in their life uh, as often as they could. Yeah, no doubt. I'm going to say a couple things here, too. This is just bringing stuff out of me. The thing is for me is that we need to clear away those resentments and greed and the seven deadlies and, and, uh, floth and, and, uh, we need to get rid of those seven deadly sins. We need to clear those out. Another one is greed. We need to clear them. We need to clear those away and wipe them things clear and realize that with God, Jesus Christ and died on the cross for us and he took away all our sins. So the only only sins we can are the ones that we just pick back up again and deal with. And you know what? It screws up our spiritual life. Totally. Puts a big old axe in it. So anyway, so what Murphy says is he comes back with this question. But some of the things you seem to suggest, like a ball throwing over it, like a ball jumping over a defender's hands, or name, slow, or time, slowing down. Go beyond ordinary experience. In the East and in our Western religion traditions, there have been disciplines to develop these extraordinary powers and states of mind. But the modern Western world, for most part. Is lacking in such disciplines. They seem esoteric and alien to most of us. Maybe that is one of the reasons sports writers and sports commentators find it difficult to comprehend the kinds of things you are talking about. All right, there's another one, another example. Cream has always had Cream Abdul Jabbar has had the talent, and he had the he had the uh, discipline to work on his game. When he wouldn't and went and had wouldn't have the uh, Muslim when he got, Muslim religion. He took his career took off again and just created a uh and he could always find that strength. And you know, at UCLA is one that took off from him, I should say too. He could always find that strength. And uh he could always find his focus. On uh, his teammates and himself, you see that with most great players, but she don 't see you don 't see them their religion outlined or their uh their focus on their higher power. So one of the problems, one of the problems, coaches and players. All right, here's Brody talking about. Uh, he This is off the uh, paragraph before that we're examining. So Brody, not only reporters find it difficult, but oftentimes coaches do too. If a player begins to develop methods for timing into these deeper levels, many coaches are likely to criticize or disregard them. oh A player often has to be big enough to transcend his coach's limitations. But then, a coach has to deal with team owners, and even with the fans and the media to some extent. The whole system works to build up certain attitudes, and about the way in which a team should be run. Take the computer, for example. The way some teams worship it in the selection of their players, Dallas Cowboys, and in the creation of their game plans would think it was God. But the computer made game plans often lead to a team away from the game itself. A team with a fixed game plan can be a brittle team if it can't relate to the can't relate. A team with a fixed game plan can be a br- brittle team if it can't relate to the here and now. If it can't relate to the here and now of a game. The computer can be helpful too as long as you don't expect too much from it. The same thing is true for certain programs of physical exercise. Exceptions have to be made for the experienced athlete who has discovered training methods, training methods suited to his own makeup. A good coach will let him use these methods. A good coach will let him use these methods even if they deviate from the fixed procedures that the coaching staff has set up. We'll go back on this computer stuff. Uh, Tech Schramm is the one who came up with the computer to help in football. Now, Tex is the one they call, he put together the, uh, he drafted the the dynasty for the Dallas Cowboys that went from 1975 through the, uh, 1975 into the 80s and 90s. And know the teams, uh, I know the teams started to, uh, started to use them in, And there's a, uh, there's a program out there, too, that they developed and other teams picked up on it. It's called the Bleds, it's the Broncos, Lions, Eagles, um, Steelers, and the, uh, Chicago Bears, and O is for, I don't want to say it's the Bears, but anyways, anyways, let's, Take a look at the Let's go back on what I was reading. So Tex Ramazona came up with that. And he's the, he was a brilliant mastermind of the at uh of the draft. And I believe he ended up selling this uh this program to other teams in the league. It's a nice way to make some cash. So, Murphy. One of the problems coaches and players have and it's a problem for all of us having a talk about about these things is our language about unusual powers. States of mind is so limited. We don't have commonly understand words to describe energy force, or what you call being clear. <laughs> I like that. These experiences these ex- Expressions don't make sense to a lot of people. I think the time has come to begin creating a language and an understanding about these dimensions of life. Wow! 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 Talking about language of the heart here. And oh, he's so right about this. He's so right. You know, we still need to begin creating a, a language. And an understanding about these dimensions of life. The reason I get so excited because it happened to me. It keeps happening to me. When I continue to do the next right thing, which is clear me out of those resentments, attitudes like I've talked about. Ego. Edging God out. Athletics. So this is Brody talking here. Athletics could be a place where the kind of insight is developed. Sport is one of the few activities in which many Americans spend a great deal of time developing, developing their potential potentialities. It influences character. I think so much of our, I think as much as our schools and churches do, but even so, it falls be far below what it could be. It leaves out so much. I would love to see a sports team developed with a mere fulfilling purpose, with a more fulfilling purpose. One place in which you see the prince. I'm gonna go back on this. Check out Rick Warren because he's. Uh, I think his book is called A Purposeful Life." Check it out, read it. Let's talk about the same same stuff as we're talking about here, just a little bit more in the future. One place in which you see principles of self knowledge work most clearly is with injuries. Two years ago, I had a problem with my arm. I couldn't lift it above my shoulder, which is not good for a quarterback. Dealing with that sore arm. Dealing with that sore arm led me into the process of self-discovery. Getting well meant more than getting soreness out of my shoulder. I found out that my arm's condition was related to a various, to a very limited notion I had about myself in life. It wasn't clear anymore to simply play a better game of football. I had to change the way I treated the world the way I thought and felt and the way I treated others. Life was larger and more interesting after that. I'm sorry, life was a larger and more interesting affair than I had ever dreamed. Why do you still play football? This is Murphy talking. Why do you still play football? 16 years is a long time. So, once again, this is my opinion, but I, uh, I trust my opinion because of what has happened to me. We get distracted from the Lord. We ended up doing different things that we shouldn't be doing. Not following his advice and not, not following him to his uh, direction. And that's when we fell. I just read in the Bible in the uh, previous, in the uh, previous, or the, yeah, in the last uh, entry I made into the, uh, into on the broadcast. Murphy, why do you still play football? 16 years is a long time. I play because I enjoy the game. After 16, after 16 years, there is still an enormous satisfaction in it. Okay, this sixteen years in the NFL, he doesn't talk about. He doesn't say anything about his high school or college years. He's still getting hit, and yes, so many people see football only in terms of winning at any cost, knocking the ball, knocking the hell out of the other guy. Is that the only reason you enjoy the game, Brody? No. It's important to win. There's nothing quite like it. It's important to go all out during a game. But there is a lot more to football than that. Involving yourself wholeheartedly in the way we have been, been discussing as a satisfaction in, in hell. And it's, <laughs> and it's satisfaction in itself. I'm having problems reading. Um, Fitz birdie. I'm going I'm not even gonna take it off the c I'm gonna take it off and say it off his words because anyways, what I'm trying to say is that he said that you know he said that uh when the chips are down or something like that, you know, it's it's the best time to uh have an uprising in our team. And you know, we're down and out. We must arise and come back and, and win. And, uh, you know, he talks about the fruits of the labor in the, uh, and you know, I think he's talking about training app, you know, and when the fruits of the labor. And one of those drills, you can't, you don't think you can possibly go on. You have to reach into yourself. And that's what he's talking about. And uh, get through the, uh, get through the, get through the drills. So it's a great way too, is to, uh, to get through, get through the drills and come back and strong and, and, uh, rem- and take what you have inside you and put it into the game to win that final, to take that final drive. I guess the idea that you and Gene Washington have a special kind of communication when a game is underway. Can you say anything about that? Well, Brody, well, we room together. We are good friends. We worked out a series of signals that can change, even after I began my stamp count. But most of all, I guess, is that we, net, that we read each other so well. He knows where I want him to be on a given point. Sometimes he will run a run a set pattern, but in, at other times he has to get a place in the field any way he can. You know, it's like a go back again. I'm gonna say something again, once again. You know, it's like Johnny, it's like Johnny and and Raymond, Raymond and Barry had that special hookup. You know it. <clears throat> And it happened in the, uh, happened a lot, but it happened in the title game against the, the first title game against the Giants when the, uh, when the Colts run on a sudden death. Um, it was, they would just do turnouts or yeah, turn ins, I should say. No, I'm sorry. They're just called square outs. So United knew where he was going to be every time. And he threw the ball before he even cut. So when Barry went to cut, the ball was there, poked ran his time, and he did that again and again and again. But the thing was, the crucial part was, was how Barry continued to run those patterns, running full blast, and the corner, quarter, the cornerbacks were thinking he's going along this time. But Barry, you know, Barry is blind. Barry is blind, I believe, with one eye, and uh, it's amazing. He was even able to see it, but he didn't need to see it when he knew the ball was going to be there, right between his numbers, right on time. Punk. That's the thing that uh, that's United has brought to the brought to the passing game. Murphy. Murphy, that place he marked with a set of count coordinates, say at a particular yard line. Or, it is better to, it's better to say that you must go somewhere in the field of existence, at the field of your relationship, amidst amidst all the flux on the playing playing field. Roddy, I think more poetic way says it better. If If a highly intuitive thing. Sometimes we call a pass for a particular spot on the field, maybe to get a first down, but at other times it's less defined than that, and it depends on the commit depends on the communication we have. Sometimes I let the ball fly before Gene has made his final move, without a pass route being and exact and exactly that's where the uh, intuition and the communication comes in. But we don't know what the other we don't know what the other team what those what those cornerbacks and safety might do. To next might do next. So that's a part. That's a the. Uh, that's a part of the fun of the game. Not knowing what they're going to do, the game never stops. You can never really take anything for granted, at least in most games in the NFL. And that's what's wrong with game plans so often, because you don't know where those guys are going to be. Are going to be a second before something happens. You have to be ready for the uh, sudden, you have to be ready for the sudden glimmer. Um, another thing, too, is that, you know, the 49ers were the first, first team, I believe, to strip the first 20, 25 points, And I think they did that in the Super Bowl against the uh, 1981 Super Bowl against, uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals. Those twenty-five plays are highlighted, and you you know if you know the re, you need know the results because they're put down on paper, so then you can go go ahead and call the good plays again. Murphy, could this place be marked with a set of coordinates? Say, as a particular yard line. Or is it better to say that you that you meet somewhere in the field of, in, of existence, in the field of your relationship amidst all the fucks on the playing field? I think the more poetic way it says it better. It's a sightly it's a lightly it's I'm sorry, is it's a highly intuitive thing? Sometimes we call it a pass or a particular spot on the field, maybe to get a first down. But at other times, it's less defined. That, and it depends upon the communication we have. Sometimes i let the ball fly before Gene has made his final move, without a pass route being an, an example. Exactly. That's where the uh, tuition, intuition and the communication come in. But then we don't know what the other team, what those cornerbacks in safety might do next. I'm just reading this over again because it's so awesome. That's part, of the, uh, that's part of the fun of the game, not knowing what they are going to do. The game never stops. You can never really take anything for granted, at least in more games, at least in most games in the NFL. That's what that's what's wrong with game plans so often because you don't know where those guys are going to be a second before something happens. You have to be ready for a sudden glimmer. Yeah, I I just reread that I'm just rereading this stuff because it's just awesome. Murphy, do you ever get the idea after one of those incredible pass completions that there was some destiny to, to the play. Something more, something more still involved. Sorry, something more than skill involved. To me, as a slightly lunatic fan, those are times when it seems as if the script for the game has been written by God himself, or that it springs from someplace in the collective Unconscious, unconscious. Yeah, awesome stuff. I know God is taking care of us when we we rely on God. And, you know, it's just, it's so important to, all you have to do is seek God. That's all you need to do. No, you know, I don't get on my knees or anything and pray. I just talk to God every day, you know, and have a communication with him. Actually, he, he just nails things in my head, too. I know, because I'm hard-headed. <coughs> I know the feeling, but I don't know that we should call that kind of explanation an objective fact. Exactly. It's not an objective fact in my, in, in my eyes. But isn't there a kind of communicating... This is Murphy, by the way. <coughs> Brody is the one who said, I know the feeling, but I don't know that we should call the kind of explanation an objective fact. Murphy. But isn't that there a kind of communication, a kind of artistry, a kind of being, if you will, that emerges during an inspired game? Something that isn't measured by by grids or coordinates or statistics. Doesn't bring... Forth the kind of quality depending on, upon something that one is not continually aware of. Brody, yes, that's a good way to say it. I was reading. I was reading a statement by Alan Page, defensive tackle for the Minnesota Vikings. the NFL's most valuable player for 1971. The other day, which which he described the comeback, or the come down, where a game is over, he said it was a weird, it was a weird feeling adjusting back to reality, to sanity, having to be a person again. I understand that feeling. Life can feel like a box after a game. You can get that you can get into another you can get into another order of reality when you're playing a reality that doesn't fit into their grids and coordinates that most people lay across life, including the categories. Coaches, fans, and sport writers, sports writers lay on the game, Murphy. When you are in when you are in a state like that, was you must be, you must be tuned into an incredible number of energies, of patterns, to all those players on both teams, to the crowd. In fact, when you begin your first offensive sequence, you seem to be deliberately turning. You seem to be deliberately tuning into all this. I sometimes get the sense that you are probing the situation before you work on your game plan of attack. Are those opening minutes a time when you are leaving what that game is going to be like? Yes. Brody, yes. We are tuning into the situation and centering ourselves, dropping the nervousness. Getting a feel of the game, we may have to drop useless emotional build-up and other distractions. Ego, edging God out. So that's what he's saying by the uh, dropping all the BS, because that's what we cannot get to that next level. All right, so So you're at Murphy. So you're saying you have to be both focused and sensitive. An effective quarterback has to have his radar working. Brody. I equate creativity with awareness. It's a matter of simple knowledge. The more I know, the more I can do. Murphy but knowing like this is more than the kind of knowing we are supposed to learn in school. More than verbal knowing or book knowing it involves a timing and choose subtle, subtle energies and feelings and forces we can only come to come through direct awareness. Oh, is that good? Oh man, it involves the emotions and the spirit as well as the intellect and the here and now. The complexities and subtleties, subtleties of a given of a given situation, rather than preconceptions about it, or your rehearsals of it by or or rehearsals of it or what has been written in a book about it it seems to me that this sort of knowing leads to leads to a new kind of being really you might say that football players and athletes generally get into the kind of being or being beingness call it what you will more than more than often, that is generally recognized but they also lose it after a game or after a season is over. They often don't have workable philosophy or understanding to support the kind of thing they get into while they are playing. They don't have the words for it. So after a game, you are some of them coming to... So after a game, after you see some... After a, So after a game, you see some of them coming down, making fools of themselves sometimes. Coming way down in their in their tone level. But during the game, they come way up. A missing ingredient for most people, for many people, I guess, is that they don't have this suggesting philosophy or discipline of a better life. Murphy. In hearing you talk, I've gathered that top athletes are people who are accustomed to to altering time, who are accustomed to a higher to a higher inner, to accustomed to altered perceptions of many types, and to going with a inner flow of things. But I don't see any of this on the sport pages. Or in sport books you hear about it or on the radio and TV programs. Our culture seems to screen it all out, even though with such experience it is at the very heart of the game of so many so many of us love. Brody That's right <laughs> That's right, it's a case of experience, experience being ahead of what we can say about it. Maybe if we could talk about it more clearly, we would make it happen more. Sport is so important in creating values in America. It would be great if it would open up those most dimensions for people. It's really what many coaches and players want to do. After all, they want the sport to be more than winning at any cost, they're more than beating people up and making money and getting, getting ahead over somebody else's dead body. But to but to but we have got to break out of this conspiracy to be little sport and human nature. Wow. Okay, um I'm gonna end this right now, but. Nobody else has told you they love you today. I do. And thank you for listening to this, pro- to this podcast. Outstanding. Thank you.